Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. My name's Ben. If you're here and you're a guest, so great to have you at, at church, um, especially if this is your first time and uh, really great to have you. We've been working through um, the book of John, First uh, John, and we're going to continue uh, with that today. And uh, just so you know, who's been enjoying this? Is this good? This good? That's right, it's over 50%, so we'll finish the book then. And uh, we, have, we have maybe two weeks left, and John has been doing a fantastic job of reminding us of what it really means to be a Christian person. And it seems so easy, but if you're with us for the first three weeks, sometimes it can be a little bit more challenging than we think. And so we've got two weeks left and John's been holding up this mirror where we get to look at ourselves and we say, "Mm, am I following Jesus maybe the way that I should be doing? And so we're going to continue to look at that today. And uh, John, he, as he writes, he doesn't write in this sort of linear style where he goes from one chapter to the next, to the next, to the next. He kind of has this thought and he gets it out on paper And then he goes to a few other thoughts and he comes back. So we're going to look at a couple of scriptures today, but all deals with the one subject. And that subject is love, which I think is so important, so critical, such a part of who we are and what we do. So let me just read this first verse to you. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 says, Love one another, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Pretty simple. Why don't we pray and then we'll get started. God, we thank you for your presence this morning. And Lord, I thank you that this morning, even during worship, God, that you're bringing people to life. That Lord, that you want to breathe upon us. And God, I just pray that this morning that our hearts would be ready to be breathed upon. Lord, I pray that we'd be ready to receive whatever it is that you want to give us. And Lord, every time we come to worship, Lord, I pray that there's expectation in our hearts because you're the God of the impossible. You're the God that removes mountains. You're the God that changes circumstances. And God, we pray that as we sit and listen to your word and as we are engaging in worship, that Lord, we're just ready for whatever it is that you want to do. Lord, we, we, we love you. We thank you that you're here with us. We just commit this next you know, 30 minutes to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. I used to go to school with this guy called Daryl. Daryl Yap was his name. And I was maybe in uh, prep or grade one. And I remember one time Daryl said, hey, do you want to come over to my house for a sleepover? I said, yeah, awesome. So I went over to Daryl's house and uh, I don't know what Daryl's mum was, but Daryl's dad was very focused on his work because we never really saw him the whole time that we were there. I think he came out of his office once or twice just to make dinner for us and then went back into his office and kept working. And uh, Daryl was a, was a nice guy and, and I thought he, uh, he, was, he was a nice guy, you know. Uh, but when I was at his house, I noticed something. His dad was just kept on getting really kind of cross, really angry. He would yell a lot and use this word that I'd never heard, but I only mention it because it's etched into my brain. 
he used this word tolerate. And he would say it like this, Daryl, I will not tolerate that. Now, I didn't know what tolerate meant, but I just knew I didn't want to be around it. But it was like his favorite word. It's, I will not tolerate that. I will not tolerate that. I'm like, Daryl doesn't really look like there's much that you can do. I went home and uh, a couple weeks later, I think, you know, like when you're a kid, sometimes parents, they kind of organize things for you. And they said, oh, did you want to, mom said, do you want to go around to Daryl's house and, uh, and hang out with Daryl again? I was like, no, nah, it's okay. Uh, I don't want to go to Daryl's house because I've seen how, uh, how, how dysfunctional his family is and the way that they treat each other. And to be honest, I'd just rather not be around that. I didn't want to go to Daryl's house because it made me feel uncomfortable. I didn't even want to be there, you know? I don't know if you've ever been caught in that situation. Have you ever gone to someone's house? Like you're a couple and you've gone to someone else's house or, and they start to fight in front of you and you're just thinking, for the love of God, let my phone ring or something so that I can get out of this situation. I want there to be an emergency today because I need to get out of where I am. And it just makes you feel uncomfortable. Well, you know what? As we read these next couple of chapters in the book of John, this is exactly what John is talking about. Because how many of us know that this is God's house, yeah? And so when it comes to God's house, how important is it that the way that we do relationship is really important so that when people come into church and they see the way that we interact, they don't leave and say, man, I never want to come back there. I saw the way that those guys did relationship and I never want to be a part of that family. I don't even want to be around that family. So we just want to make sure that You know, the way that we treat each other, the way that we do life, the way that we love each other is exactly the way that Jesus has asked us to do it. Otherwise, we're kind of going to create this weird culture or vibe. And this is why John has written this in the first place. You know, Jesus said to us that there are a couple of things that we need to do. He said, I'm going to summarize the law this way. You are to love, love God and love. Awesome. You guys are so good. Let me do this. I'm going to give you the answers. Uh, The first one is, the first answer is God, and the second answer is each other, all right? All right, let's try that again. Okay, so Jesus uh, summarized the law, and He said that you're supposed to do this. He said that we should love and love. Some of you still got it wrong, but I believe in you. And I will pray for you. So we're supposed to love. Now, the thing is, is that love is the thing that we're supposed to do. It centers on both of those, love God and love people. And I'm simply making the point that love is supposed to be central to what we do, whether it's others or God. Love is supposed to be central to everything that we do. In fact, Jesus said, you will know my disciples by how they love one another by how they love one another. And in other words, there is something that is supposed to be so culturally distinctive about the way that Christian people do life. It should stand out so far that when people see Jesus' followers, that they know immediately, because have you seen the way that that person loves? They must be a Jesus follower because no one loves like that. I mean, that's crazy, radical, amazing love. And the thing about love is that God is just not negotiable about it. 
He says, I'm going to summarise the law this way. Love God, love people. He's not negotiable. Do you notice in that scripture that we read, it says, uh, you should love one another. Uh, unless they spill a, a coffee on you on your way into a really important meeting. Man, you should love one another. Unless they break your Xbox. Man, you should love one another. Unless, there's no unless. I mean, he doesn't kind of asterisk this and say, listen, you're really supposed to love, but when somebody does something that really annoys you in that case, man, it's cool if you just hate on them. Jesus doesn't leave any room or any exceptions. He says, you know what you're really supposed to do? You're just supposed to love one another. Jesus said, love others the same way that I have loved you. Do you know how hard that can be? Of course you do, you're human. It can be really hard to do it, to love people the way that Jesus did. So listen, if you like titles, this is the title of my message today, Love Like Jesus. Love Like Jesus. It's one of the simplest things that we're asked to do, and yet one of the most profound and difficult challenges that we have. Can I tell you what I love? I love donuts. Come on. And not even Krispy Kreme donuts. Like, I just love Donut King donuts. I love donuts. Man, you know what I love? I love coffee. And the only thing better than coffee, than a good coffee, is coffee with a donut. I love it. Or do you ever have, just to kind of mix things up, do you ever have like a, a lemon tart and it's like that little bit, it's kind of a little bit sour and then you have a coffee and it just, I don't know why, it just works really well. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry, you just haven't lived. <laughs> so it's like, I love coffee. I love donuts. I, I tell you what I love. I love my kids. And, uh, and I love my wife. I love her. She's amazing. And... Uh, Here's something that's really affirming for my wife, Sarah, who's here today. I love my wife even more than I love donuts. <laughs> Isn't that good to know? You see, you see that the problem is, is that we use one word to talk about how we love. So I think the term deserves definition. Because if we don't define it, I'm talking about love. And it's like, yeah, man, I'm saying to a group here today, I'm talking about love. And there's probably like 30 different ideas about what love actually is. And I thought, well, maybe what I should do is I should describe to you what love is. But then I thought, Paul the Apostle, he did a much better job than me anyway. So if you look in 1 Corinthians, this is known as the love chapter. Ah, Here's what it says. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. He really means that when he says endures all things, because actually love will never end. There are a lot of things in this world that will end, like this world, like our lives. But love never ends. In fact, we're going to find out in a little bit, but the Bible says that God is love. John wrote that. He said, God is love. And since God is eternal, love will never end. 
And, and, and ultimately, you know, you put your heart and your faith in Jesus and we don't actually end either. So having understood what love is, love is being patient and kind and, and, and treating each other right and putting sometimes others before ourselves, understanding that. Let me read to you what John was really saying here. He says, we should not be like Cain. This is in 1 John chapter 3, verse 12 to 18, sorry. He says, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one. That's horrible. And he murdered his brother. I guess that's worse. He says, and why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers and sisters. Let's not be sexist. He says, whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Sounds pretty serious. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. John says that there are two ways to love. This is one of the things I love about John. He makes everything so simple, doesn't he? You thought there was 30 different ways to love. No, John says there are two ways that you can love. You can love like Cain or you can love like Christ. And that's the whole reason why he, he, he wrote that in the first place. Believe me, John thought hard about how he was going to explain the different ways that you can love. And he says, you can love like Cain or you can love like Christ. And so maybe you're sitting here today and you say, yeah, it doesn't seem too relevant to me. I haven't murdered anyone. So this is not really for me. I want you to listen in to what I'm going to say to you today, because believe me, what I have to say is about to get really relevant for you. Let me tell you the story of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, second generation humans. So their mum and their dads, Adam and Eve. You can imagine them raising them up as kids and they're saying, so let me tell you about the time we made a big mistake with our lives and we decided to eat the apple or the fruit or whatever. And they're explaining it. And so they say, listen, here's one thing that we've learned about God is that we're not perfect and we're going to continue to make mistakes. We've learned that since the fall. And if you want to get close to God, the way that you do it is that you offer Him a sacrifice. You have to offer Him a sacrifice. And it should be, by the way, something that costs you. So if your sacrifice doesn't mean anything to you, it's not going to be worthy. And because God can look in on your heart, He can see what kind of sacrifice you're giving Him. So make sure it counts. So no doubt one day, uh, Cain and Abel, they mess up. And so they bring offerings to God. And as they bring these offerings to God, it says that God didn't regard Cain's offering. It didn't cost him anything. And he regarded Abel's. He accepted Abel's uh, offering, but he didn't accept Cain's. And so he comes to Cain and he says, listen, this offering is not really what I've asked for. You can do better than that. And if you do better, it gives him another opportunity. If you do better, I'll accept your offering, but you've got to change it. So don't just give me what you've been giving me. Come on, step up. Do something better than what you've been doing. And Cain basically says flat out, well, no, this is, that's not going to happen. He says, all right, fine. So he accepts Abel's sacrifice. He rejects Cain. 
Cain is so mad with God and frustrated at God. But how many of us realize it's really difficult to get mad with God because you can't like touch Him and whatever. So he just redirects all of his frustration and his anger onto his brother. So one of the best ways he figures he can fix the situation is if I just kill my brother, then he's not going to be around anymore. Guess who just stepped up? And so he kills his brother, second generation human, and he's already killed his brother. First of all, he begins to hate him and then he actually kills him. As I was reading this, I realized something really important. It's so important for us to not let things like jealousy come and corrupt the love that's in our hearts. It's so important for us to make sure that love is at the center of what we do. And you know, I've got no doubt in my mind that Cain loved his brother, but he was overcome by jealousy. He was overcome by his anger. Sometimes those things try to get into our hearts. And then in that relationship, there's like a, a testing time for them. And Cain just gave way to his anger and actually ends up murdering his brother. And here's what I want you guys to understand. Pressure. That was a pressure situation for Cain. Pressure is a great revealer of your heart. It really is. It will expose what's in your heart. And the reason why that's so important is that until pressure comes, your love hasn't been tested. And if you don't believe me, ask a couple who've been married for 50 years. And they'll come to you, they'll say, yeah, there was really tough times. And you know, the truth is sometimes people make it and sometimes people don't. And there's no condemnation from me. I'm just saying that your love doesn't get tested until troubled times come. And then it has to stand the test. It, it, you know, it, whether you've been married and, and you're, you're a married couple, your relationship with your parents, even if you've been long-term friends with someone, eventually someone kind of gets into an argument and it's like, will your love stand the test of that relationship? And I remember growing up as a kid and me and my brothers, we would get into some arguments and some fights. And so at the end of it, you know, mom would come to sort it out with a shoe. And, and so she would come and she'd sort things out. And this is what she'd say. She'd say, now say sorry to your brother. And you know how brothers say sorry? Fine. I'm sorry. Except the whole demeanor says, I hate everything that is going on right now. And there is no way that I want to say sorry, but she's here. And if she's here, I'm saying it. I'm saying it because I want to get out of my room and I don't need another wallop to the backside. So I just need to get out of here. And so fine. You want a sorry? Here's your sorry. I'm sorry. Except that's not the kind of sorry that we need to give. It's not the kind of sorry that God is looking for. That's like a brother, I just got in fight. I need to get out of trouble kind of sorry. So if you're sort of wondering, I don't know if this Cain story is really relevant to me. This was what Jesus said. He says, if you're angry with your brother, you're liable for the same punishment as murder. Shock. If you can want to know where it says that, go back to Matthew chapter 5, read the Sermon on the Mount and just keep going. He says, if you are hating on your brother, you're liable for the same punishment. See, the thing is, is that when, when God gave Israel the law, He said, this is something that you're going to use to guard your community. This is how you're going to set things up. There's a whole bunch of laws and rules. Except the, the thing about the law is that the law could only judge what was on the outside. 
It says, when you see this behavior, this is the response for that. When someone acts this way, this is how you handle that. Except when it comes to Jesus, he's completely different. See, when it comes to Jesus, it's not just about outward appearances, but it's actually about what's going on in your heart. So you might be saying the right words, you might be doing the right things, but at the end of the day, if you've still got contempt in your heart for someone else, you're not doing it the way that Jesus asked you to. You're not loving like Jesus. We've got to be people that learn to live and to love the same way that Jesus did. Do you know the Bible says in Hebrews that the Word of God, which by the way is Jesus, is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and marrow. It discerns the heart and the intentions of men. Jesus discerns your heart. When you're saying you're sorry on the outside, you may be fulfilling the requirements of the law, but the truth is on the inside, you got contempt towards somebody. You forgave them with your words, but not with your heart. And what Jesus is saying is, you know what? The standard of the law is down here. Yes, with the law, we're just making sure that you keep up appearances. He says, but when I come, here's the standard I expect. Jesus always raised the standard and raised the bar. And people are saying, well, how are we going to be able to do this? Jesus says, your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. And everyone's like, that's impossible. He goes, I know, it's why I came. And I'm discerning your heart and I'm discerning your intentions. And you know what? God looks into the hearts of people to make sure that they're doing it right. And just so I'm really clear, and it's about to get really quiet in here. Just so I'm really clear about what this message is about. Because the truth is, man, I could just turn this into a, into a great message about loving people. And would have universal approval. Everyone would love that message. But here's actually what John is saying. So I can be really clear with the text. He says, if you're carrying offense and unforgiveness towards another Christian, you're loving like Cain and not like Christ. This is about actually loving the brothers. I could turn it into another message, but I just figured I just might as well say what John said since we're working through the book. The thing is, is that he's saying, if you, if you know another Christian person who's offended you, and you forgave them on the outside, but your heart is still holding on to it. You still got unforgiveness in your heart. You still got bitterness there and you can't let go of it. You're loving like Cain and not loving like Christ. That's his whole point. Because that's not the way that Jesus loved. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that offenses won't come. Come on. Whenever you do life with people, offenses will come. Bitterness will come. Hurts will come. People may not deserve your forgiveness. You may feel like that. People may say the wrong things to you. And yes, they were absolutely wrong. Yes, those things happened. Yes, they treated you bad. But if you want to love like Cain, hold on to it. But if you want to love like Christ, what you've got to do is begin to let go of that and just move on with your life. I didn't say it would be easy. That's not what this is about today. It's not easy to forgive people when they hurt you sometimes. I understand that. I know that. And sometimes that person might still be in the wrong. And worse, they don't even admit it. But that's not the way that Jesus asked us to love. That's not loving like Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. This is so strong. I thought it was going to get quiet. It's going to get real quiet now. I would never say this, by the way. This is what John says. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. 
For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Do you know what John is saying there? He's saying, if you say you love God and you've got unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment towards somebody, another Christian, this is what it's about. You don't even love God. He says, because if you loved God, you would actually forgive that person and move on. He's saying, if you're saying, I'm a, if you're saying, I'm a Christian and I love God and you have that unforgiveness. He says, you're a liar. You don't love God. Now, I would never say this, but John did. And that's why it's important that we actually talk about what John did and what he wrote, what he was addressing. Here's how Jesus actually loved. Jesus sacrificed everything. Jesus sacrificed his position in heaven to come to earth so that he could live on earth to forgive people of their sins. He sacrificed so much. And the culmination of that sacrifice was his life. And here's who he came to do it for. His enemies. The people that disregarded him. In fact, if you read Romans chapter 5, it says that the world was basically an enemy of God. And yet while we were enemies in that moment, he came for us. He came for people that disregarded Him. He came for people that hated Him. He came for people, do you know why? Because it was His value and not theirs. He came because love was His value. See, the truth is, and this is hard, but try to wrap your head around it. When you love someone, you love them based on your values, not necessarily on what they give you back. And that's how to love like Jesus. So it was my daughter's birthday yesterday. Uh, her party and uh, her first birthday party. And I was looking at a whole bunch of photos and the photos are rem- reminded me of when she was just born. And here's what babies give you in the first sort of six months. Sleepless nights, dirty nappies, tired days. They don't give you anything really. I mean, seriously, if you ever didn't want to be around someone, it would be that kind of person, right? Except that you love them like crazy. And you love them, why? What are they giving you back? Nothing good. They don't love you. They don't, they don't cuddle you. They just get fed. And then they have a nappy and you change it. And it's like, you love them because of how you feel about them, not because of how they feel about you. You love them because it's your value, not because it's their value. They don't even understand what's going on. You're just pouring out your love into them. You love them so much. They're not doing anything for you. Sometimes people aren't going to do anything for you. And in the middle of that, you're supposed to continue to love them. Why? Because that's what it means to love like Jesus. You're just loving people who may never actually love you back. That's how we do it. It's based on our value. This message is so practical. It's so, it's so pragmatic with so much application that you can just put straight into your life right now. When you see people that are in need, you help them. When you see people that need to be forgiven, you forgive them. When you need to say you're sorry for something, you say you're sorry. I mean, this is what it means to love like Jesus. And here is the whole point, right? The church is meant to be the best community on earth where you will find at the center love and grace and forgiveness. That's what we're supposed to be doing here. Because no one wants to come over to our house and play if we're not doing that right. 
And this is not just about us. It's about us and the global church. The church should be the place where anyone can come and just know at the center of that community, there will be love and there will be grace. People will just love on you and it doesn't matter what you've done. And even if you've broken someone's trust, you could go back there and someone will forgive you because at the end of the day, we understood that Christ forgave us and it's our job to continue to forgive other people as well. This is what he says in 1 John 4, 7 to 17. This is a little repetitive, but it's so good. I thought I'd just read the whole thing. He says, God is love. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Saviour of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. We're supposed to be like Jesus is in this world. That's why we're supposed to love like Christ. As he is, so are we. What He does, we're supposed to do. How He loves, we're supposed to love. You know, in the Bible, it says that we are ambassadors of Christ. In other words, we represent Him. And that's the whole point. Because when people meet us, I wonder if they're meeting this picture of who Jesus actually is. We're meant to represent Him in every way that we can. Jesus is God's love to the world. You know, the Black Eyed Peas, they wrote this song. And this is what it says. It says, where is the love? Do you want to know where it is? It's found in Him. Love is found in Him. Where is it? It's right there. It's always been there. It's always been available. And if we start to love God and try to be as He is in this world, then we're going to start to actually make a difference. We're going to start to attract people to the community because people will see the way that love and grace and forgiveness is shown towards each other. And they say, that's something I could definitely be a part of. So the way it's supposed to work, there's a book by uh, Gary Chapman. It's called The Five Love Languages. And this is kind of how it works. There are different ways that people give and receive love. And my point to you today is, is that Jesus will love people any way that they receive those languages. See, when it comes to words of affirmation, Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you could become a child of God. What could be more affirming to you than being adopted by the Father, by God? He welcomes you into His family. 
What could be more affirming than that? He, so if you're a person that, that receives love through words of affirmation, you just want to hear something, what could be more affirming than Jesus saying, you're my child? You know, when it comes to quality time, He says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Quality time, He never leaves you. He's always looking for quality time. He always wants quality time. If you're a person that likes quality time, Jesus is for you. When it comes to the gifts, what better gift than salvation itself, except that in that He also gives us His Spirit. And He he says that if we abide in Him, that He'll abide in us, that He'll fill us with the presence of His Spirit. Jesus is the greatest gift of the world. When it comes to service, what could be better of service than sacrifice? Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And if you're a person that gives and receives love through being touched, man, I tell you right now, God wants to touch people's lives everywhere. He desires for people's lives to be transformed and changed more than anyone. You see, God is the origin of love. It's, it all began with Him. We didn't create this. He created it. There was the, the God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There was love in that. Then they created us and we were born out of it. So that when we go to find out what love is, we shouldn't be looking anywhere else, but we should be looking back here to say, how did Jesus love? Because that's the way that we're supposed to actually do it. Love isn't something that you add to Christianity. It's actually centered on it. The whole reason we're adopted into God's family, the whole reason that God will never leave us and forsake us, the whole reason that He's given His life to us, the whole reason all of that has happened is because He loves us. It centers around this thing called love. Love is meant to be something that is so central to our lives. Here's what John's really saying. (laughs) He says, if you are a Christian, you should be able to love people better than those who are not Christians. To make it really easy. If you're a Christian, you should be better at love. Why? Because your model is Jesus. So you're not finding that model from some dysfunctional relationship you had with your father growing up or your mother that rejected you at birth. You're not modeling your love on some kind of family dispute that's continuing to make waves in your family unit. You're not modeling your love on anything you've seen on television. You're not modeling your love on crazy movies like The Notebook that make it outrageous. You know, you're not modeling your love on those moments. You're modeling your love on the way that Christ loved people, on the way that Christ loves the church. And since we've got the best model, if we follow suit and we continue to walk the way that He did, now I'm telling you, we're going to change the world through this. You know, I was thinking about this where He says that we're supposed to love people better than anyone else. And I was thinking, man, I wonder what the, wonder what the church is really known for. I wonder if we are known for loving people. I wonder if that's how we're recognized. I wonder if we're recognized because of judging people. I wonder if we're recognized because of our unbelievably high standards that we can't obtain to ourselves. I wonder how we're recognized. I wonder if love is the thing that people see and they recognize Christ in us. I wonder if that's how the church is known. I can't speak for every church because I'm not the pastor of every church. They wish I could be. I'm not. Maybe one day. But man, in this church, I hope that people know us because we love each other. 
I hope that people recognize us by how we do dispute. I wonder if people recognize us because we forgive quickly and we we get over offenses easily. And we remember at the, at the end of the day, man, God has forgiven us of so much more. How crazy is it? What, do we hold on to stuff? I mean, anyone that holds on to sin and doesn't think that God knows how we feel doesn't understand how offensive sin is to God. And yet He overlooked all of that, sent Jesus in spite of that. And because of Him, we're free to dwell in His presence. We're free to walk in His grace. And I'm wondering if we would be a community that would do the same thing for each other. I wonder if that's how we're recognised. I wonder if people see us and they say, man, those guys have got to be Christians because the way that they love is like nothing I've ever seen. Man, that guy has got to be a Jesus follower because I've never seen anyone forgive someone that's been so badly hurt by that. You know, I was thinking about how bad you can be hurt sometimes. And let me just show you something. John wrote this in this letter that we're reading in 96 AD. But he had this intense time with Jesus and some of his disciples. Let me show you this. This is how the 12 disciples, his brothers, this is what happened to them. Simon Peter was crucified in 64 AD. James, the son of Zebedee, was beheaded in 44 AD. John, the guy that wrote this book, was boiled alive in oil in 96 AD, but he survived the same year that he probably may have wrote this book that we're reading. Andrew was crucified in 69 AD. Philip was hanged in 60 AD. Bartholomew was crucified in 68 AD. Matthew was stabbed in 70 AD. Thomas was speared in 82 AD. James the Less was stoned in 54 AD. Judas Thaddeus was clubbed in 66 AD. Simon was crucified in 61 AD. And we know what happened to Judas. Of course, he committed suicide in 33 AD. Not to mention Paul the Apostle and Timothy who passed one of the largest churches, all of these guys killed, beheaded. If anyone had a reason to not love people, it was the guy that wrote the words in this book. But somehow, despite all the offences that have come his way, despite having every reason to never trust people and to reject people, to become reclusive and hide away and say, nah, forget that. I've given my life to this. I gave my life to this. And look, they're killing us all. No one could be more offended than this guy right here. And yet, despite all of that, He says, man, we're still supposed to love. Oh, man, I want that. I want that love in me. I want the kind of love that so easily gets over all the stuff that life could throw at me. And in spite of all of that, I told you offences would come. I didn't say forgiveness would be easy, but I said, in spite of that, love like Jesus continue to love like Jesus. So you know what? Here's what we got to do. We just got to forgive people, give up offences. I know it's hard. I get that part. I understand that part, but you have got to do it so that your heart can be free to love like Jesus. I don't want to love like Cain. I want to love like Christ did. Can we stand together this morning? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.